0: This is Local Color, distributed by Your Public Studios, a podcast dedicated to the artists, entrepreneurs, and social innovators using their talents to make Baltimore and the DMV a better place. I'm your host, Jason V., and on the show today... Tanya Miller Hall, Senior Advisor of Arts and Culture at the Baltimore Mayor's Office. As a girl growing up in Baltimore, Tanya dreamed of living and working in New York City. She made her dream come true, and along the way she built businesses, relationships, and a respected career in communications and PR. Though NYC gave Tanya many professional experiences, coming back home to Charm City gave her a new experience, her name in the local paper. I know what you're thinking. You saw the title and the episode art and thought, Aw, this is it, this is the salacious tell-all, she's gonna air all the dirty laundry! Unfortunately for you, dear listener, this episode is not that, but I can say, this is a do-over interview. We originally recorded an interview in January, back when things were a little more hectic, and for the sake of all entities involved, we left it on the cutting room floor. The original interview would have left people with more questions than answers, and since humans are mischievous little critters, when we don't know something, we like to make stuff up. The worse, the better. I think this interview functions more of a in-her-own-words interview for my guest, Tanya Miller-Hall. She speaks with a northern accent, and many people believe she's from New York, but...
1: I am a native daughter. I'm from Baltimore City. Currently, I serve as a senior advisor for art and culture for uh, Mayor Brandon Scott.
0: What was growing up like for you?
1: So, I grew up as an only child. I can't say that my, um, as an only child, you spend a lot of time daydreaming. So, I certainly spent a lot of time, I was informed by the television shows I watched, the music I listened to. And so, I always sort of had dreams of working in entertainment, um, I was not an athlete. I was definitely spent a lot of time sort of creating sort of this kind of imaginary life in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some, you know, I did some pageants and things like that here in Baltimore as a, um, I guess, middle school, high school until I shaved the side of my head and sort of <laughs> and sort of broke myself out of the pageant mold, uh, much to my aunt's dismay. <laughs> um, And totally turned into, like, went upstairs, pageant girl, came downstairs as a punk kid. And so that was sort of my transformation into um, stepping into my creative life,
0: I should say. Hmm. And was the shaving of your head, was that like a direct act of defiance or rebellion? Or you're just like, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. No, it was
1: definitely like... I'm getting ready to step into something else. Like I'm in I'm here for something else. So yeah, it was definitely an act of rebellion. I I think when you're a teenager you're you're in that space where you're trying to define yourself anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that was a way of sort of separating me from my cousins who were, you know, using air quotes very straight in the space of finance or some other things that they want aspirationally but Mm -hmm. theater was my thing musical theater modeling sort of being in entertainment so that was certainly uh an act of defiance for sure
0: (laughs) (laughs) um when you talk about uh, daydreaming as a kid and uh always wanting to work in entertainment and stuff like that I kind of felt the same way when I was a kid growing up I I really like to watch cartoons um but one thing that I always remembered about myself is I would always watch the intro of a cartoon I could I, I, for example uh, like Tom and Jerry something like that. I've seen Tom and Jerry a million times, but I'll always sit through the intro of it and uh, and uh, the, the for like more modern shows, the end of it because I would always read the credits and I would say like who are the people that like do these things and then I learned about like the animators and the in-betweeners and stuff. So there's more aspects to entertainment than just who is in front of the camera. Uh, So I wonder when you were um, having those daydreams, did you ever find yourself daydreaming in a way that as you look back, it demonstrated like an early talent or uh, passion for for marketing and PR?
1: No, definitely. I did not know that that was a career path. I can't say in that space, Um, but I was definitely deeply influenced by fashion. So I spent a lot of time flipping through fashion magazines, reading editor's notes, knowing all the designers, knowing all of the models. And so I often tell like my friends now, like as we became adults, when they were reading law books, I was flipping through fashion <laughs> magazines. So that was really um, my love. I just, I didn't have, there was no straight path for me. I just knew that I was going to move to New York and I was gonna work in entertainment. So though that was the direction, but how I was gonna get there, there was no uh, there was definitely no roadmap.
0: Yeah. And I think with stuff like that, especially when you're at that at that age, all you really need is the destination. Of course when you become an adult, you're like the destination's actually the easy part. It's mm-hmm. getting there, that's the hard mm-hmm. part. Uh, so let's talk about that journey now. Grew up in Baltimore only child, definitely a unique child uh, compared <laughs> to all your other um, family members and stuff. What did you do after high school and how did you make that move to New York?
1: So t- straight after high school, I, um, I did go to school um, in Atlanta. I went to art school in Atlanta and spent some time there. Atlanta was definitely not my city um, and then moved to New York. Just had eyes on. I always had eyes on New York. I tell this story often. I used to sit in the back back of my dad's car and like look at the signs in New York on 95 and wonder how far it was from where we were and just riding around the city. Um, mm-hmm. So New York was always the destination. Uh, I got to New York and like everyone else, sort of did some grinding, some you know bartending, some waiting tables. I had a chance opportunity, there was a startup magazine called New Word, Mm -hmm. um, and they asked me to help produce some events for this new publication. I really wasn't that informed on how I was going to execute, but ended up executing on a few events, and it was a popular sort of lifestyle magazine, and so got introduced to you know, the people who worked in the record industry, worked in the fashion industry, uh, certainly um, the popular magazines then, was, like Vibe, The Source magazine, that sort of thing. And that just propelled me into starting my own events and PR agency called Just Imagine Media. And we managed people like Corey Glover, Ralph McDaniels, um, some fashion brands at the time. And so it was really one one thing Propelled me into the next um, and sort of created a toolbox of experiences. Um, I had a, you down know, at that point, and I've always been really, I think my secret weapon is just um, connecting and mm-hmm. being able to sort of make a connection. And so and ask the universe to give me <laughs> give me what I need. And so even when I started this agency, Just Imagine Media, I had a chance meeting to meet who became my partner, who was really proficient at PR. She worked in the music industry during PR. Um, and I was, was sort of the event specialist. And so it was a great partnership. Mm-hmm. And we ran that agency for a while um, before I went in-house. So I've done both. I've worked in-house. And I've, you know, in agencies, in various organizations, New York Fashion Week, I worked for WME uh, doing business development, sponsor, business development and sponsorship development for New York Fashion Week, but also worked at Gayman's Health Crisis doing an event as an event, as an event director. So I've, I have a, a mixed bag of tools, but I think the sweet spot for me has always been executing on big ideas creative ideation is really where i thrive Mm -hmm. um in terms of sort of my portfolio of things
0: Hmm. i want to go back to something that you had mentioned and it it spark something in my head which kind of plays into the question that i'm going to ask you said that your your secret weapon or your superpower is meeting and connecting with people and just finding a way to have the universe provide for you uh, in terms of like uh, professional development or just chance encounters and stuff like that and i've always found that certain times in my life i feel like opportunities will present myself to me and it's like i can feel like Yo, if you don't make this decision right now, like it's going to pass you by. So I know that like you don't have time to think about it. You don't have time to logic it out, like just act. So do you feel like in, in that, like that space of time right there, that's where you really shine, where other people are, like thinking you're like, no, let's act.
1: I do. I mean, I can't say that it, that makes me unique. I just think you have to sort of make bold decisions, uh, and and be kind of fearless in that, and sometimes it's you know it's gotten me in trouble <laughs> being that fearless. Sure. but you you can only be your best advocate, um, and so you can't necessarily wait for something to come to you. And so if you see the opportunity, and certainly not, don't be obnoxious. You're never going to walk up to Clive Davis and go, hey, Clive, can I get a record deal? But certainly I've often used those opportunities just to introduce myself and say hello and to say, you know, it was an absolute pleasure to meet you. Because in those spaces, especially at industry events, there's always somebody asking you for something. Right. Mm-hmm. So the the general thing is just to really just make an impression and make an introduction to yourself or to say, hey, I saw something that you know you may have read an article and referenced that piece um so just so it's memorable so mm-hmm. the next time when that, you see that you. <laughs> yeah you hope okay. it doesn't always work but sometimes it does
0: and i think at the end of the day you being nice or generous or trying to make an impression, like if it doesn't work out, then you don't lose anything. But unless you're like going too far or doing negative things to like leave like a bad impression, Uh, something else that I also learned and then we'll continue on with the questions or something else that I've also um, heard rather is at events like that industry events or in a room with like a lot of movers and shakers, instead of asking them what they can do for you, I've heard that you can go a lot farther if you talk to them about what you can do for them. Yeah. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, you, it's sort of striking the right tone, too, mm. because a lot of times I feel this way when you're at an, at an industry event, um most some, some people are there to network but a lot of times it's to blow off like to have mm, a good time and so mm. you certainly don't want to be invasive in that sure. space unless they draw you in and say you know hey tell me what are you up to or what are you doing or then that's your definitely your moment to say gotcha bah. but i think that if you stay especially in those days industry events were You know, plentiful, and so it's you know the next time. You know, the more you're in the space, the more you you're gonna see the same people. Become a familiar face. Yeah, you become a familiar face for sure.
0: You spoke about your time working in New York. A lot of the uh, events, marketing, and PR, doing the boutique firm thing, doing in house. Is it true that you also spent some time out in Los Angeles and did some work out there?
1: I only did pop-up events in LA, so I worked on the MTV uh, Music Awards that was in LA, and the GLAAD Media Awards. I did. I helped produce that a couple of years ago, and that was in LA and San Francisco and New York. So it was uh, three three award. It was like a big award season season mm. for the GLAAD Media Awards, and they still do it that way. Mm. New York, LA, and then San Francisco was the last,
0: mm. the last show. Okay, and. After so, would you like leave New York and then come back, leave and come back, leave? And- yeah. Oh, okay. It's gotcha.
1: almost like a tour. So you do New York first, like for the Glad Media Awards, you do New York first, then you go out to LA, you stay in LA, and then you go sh- straight to San Francisco. Ah, gotcha. so not sort of zigzagging across. In that, in that case, for for that media award. Right. But as you build teams and that sort of thing, you got to stay. stay. You know, stay in a hotel and everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, um, so you spend it seems a good bit of your life living and working in New York City, and it also seems like you were very successful there. Um, and nobody can be mad at that, because they always <laughs> say, "If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere." If
1: you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. New York is not a; it's not an easy city. It's just not a notion. It's the truth I mean it's just not and so you definitely have to have a sense of determination and some grit and you know cause you're in you're in the in the pool with the big fish mm-hmm. you know everyone's super ambitious everybody's beautiful everybody's talented and so what's gonna separate you and the other pieces that you don't get caught in the trappings mm. of New York because it'll it can tear you apart, too. It can break your heart, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I even have stories of friends, not in New York, but L.A., they, uh, they went out there to accomplish one thing, but they just got caught up in, in that life. Um, uh, though I wonder, and I promise we will get back to the, to okay. the written questions after this. Uh, can you recall or remember a certain moment in your career up in New York where once it was over or once you got through it, you were just like... That was the, if I can get through this, I can get through anything moment.
1: I'm sure I do have a story because I feel like that's how all the stories end. (laughs) Um, I'm just, uh, nothing comes to mind immediately. I'm sure as soon as I walk away, I'll be like, (laughs) and then this happened. Um, But certainly there have been some 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 crazy times in new york i have to say that and especially when you're building events mm-hmm. um events are always difficult anyway and especially at that scale so um i'm sure there is a story i just can't recall one at the moment
0: we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back i continue my interview with tanya miller hall i'm jason v this is local color stay with us I'm Jason V. This is Local Color, and my guest is Tanya Miller Hall of the Mayor's Office. Before the break, Tanya spoke about her life and times in the Big Apple. As we continue our conversation, Tanya talks about moving back to Baltimore after being away for so many years. When and why did you decide it was time to leave New York City and go back home to Baltimore?
1: So the honest answer, I my now husband um was from Baltimore. We are both cyclists. You know, I used to race road bikes and so we met on a chance meeting. I was here and we met on on bikes and we dated for about 6 years and then finally I I moved. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> Let's do it. I'll get married. Let's do it. And we have a good life here and it was, you know, he's a, a fantastic husband. I should say. Um, <laughs> and the reason that it took me so long to actually make a decision, um, I was really excited. Baltimore had changed quite a bit since I had left and I had not spent a lot of time here. I'd come home for holidays, you know, a couple of days and then head back to New York. So I was really blown away with a lot of the changes that I'd seen in the city. It was just a little difficult to match my skill set up with uh this world here uh, took took some time, but I landed in the mayor's office on my first when I first arrived in New York.
0: Mm, OK, and I
1: mean, when I first arrived in Baltimore.
0: I, I know. What you mean. Yeah. <laughs> so you came back to Baltimore. Uh, you're working at the mayor's office and this was during. Uh when Catherine Pugh was mayor yes okay so you you worked at City Hall and then you worked at uh BOPA for a little bit Baltimore Office of Promotion and Arts and I'm sure this is the part of the podcast where people are like oh, are they actually gonna talk about it the answer is <laughs> no um and now you're back at City Hall. And as I said, we're not going, you know, we're not going to get into the uh, intricacies of uh, that entire situation, but what I do want to ask you is what did it feel like being in the middle of that or if you were reading, you know, periodicals or news outlets seeing your name used in certain contexts and stuff like that. Like did like, were you angry? Were you like, "Oh, I want to set the record straight." Like how was your life like during that time in like January to to February? And do you feel like your PR and marketing experience, those were like special skills, you know, that allowed you to handle that situation?
1: It's been daunting. I mean, I lived in New York for over 25 years and I've never been in the newspaper, (laughs) not my name. I've (laughs) pitched stories and landed features, but I've never been a part of any news article. And so it's a little daunting that, you know, I've ended up in this sort of political space. But as any crisis communications with communications person would tell you, unless there's something poignant to say, say nothing. And I think it, it wasn't necessarily about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about a situation that I just happened to be a part of. And so I, I think that the mayor... Now, working at the Mayor's office was a really keen decision for his his administration to take and to bring in someone to lead art and culture from this from that level. Um, it's something that the city has been wanting, and so I'm really excited about the position and sort of moving uh, the mayor's priorities forward.
0: And can you talk a little bit more um, about those priorities and really just if you're able to give a general overview of what you're doing now at the mayor's office? As you said at the at the beginning of the show, you are the senior advisor of art and culture, and I can't help but think of like... I don't know, like in like the Middle Ages, like somebody advising a king on like (laughs) what's in and now for like art and culture. So can you talk a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, but it is, it's a really fantastic role. Um, And I think that when you think about art and culture in the same, I mean, art and culture is really the heartbeat of any city. Uh, Leaning into uh, the creative community and creating sort of a thriving economic pipeline for creatives is going to be key. Um, Baltimore has always had a robust artistic community at various disciplines. Mm-hmm. And so this is an opportunity to leverage those disciplines and really showcase Baltimore as a world-class city. I think that gets missed a lot of times in the narrative about Baltimore. So this really is an opportunity from a leadership point of view to really showcase Baltimore as a as the world class city that it is. You know, it's one of the oldest cities in the country. Mm -hmm. And so certainly and we've had a tradition of talent um, by bygone years, yesteryears, as they say. (laughs) I was just, you know, I was just at the Maryland Historical Society and they were showing old black and white photos of how many entertainment venues were in Baltimore. You know, back in the you know twenties and forties, fifties. You know, and so Baltimore has always had entertainment at the core, and people came to the city before they went to New York. Like this was a stop before they went to New York, and so I think that we can re- we can um, lean into that tradition. Um, because we have not just singers, but visual artists, poets, dancers, just a robust writers who are really not just emerging, but also are world-class contemporaries, people who are known around the world, who want to make, who want to keep Baltimore as their hometown, not move to other cities. And so It's a great opportunity to sort of leverage that talent and really to showcase it. Okay. And so this, I'm so to answer your question. So this role is really an opportunity to do that kind of work, but also to inform my peers at higher levels. How are you making decisions uh, when you think about housing? When you think about healthcare or whatever? How are you making those decisions, and are you putting creatives? in that space as a special interest group and not sort of like an afterthought.
0: Yeah, I think, I think art in general is always thought of as an afterthought because that's just what our culture uh, prizes. But I always like to, whenever I argue, have an argument with people. Anything that you interact with that's like technological, someone had to design it. Someone had to have like the creative. There's an art to that. Exactly, exactly. Like there's, there's always like that balance between um, art and science. And as, as somebody uh, who you know, my goal is to help turn Baltimore and the DMV into the next great cultural ap- epicenter. Uh, I appreciate the fact that. You know, you kind of share um, a similar vision, so I'm really excited to see what you end up doing in your um, in your position. And in Baltimore, when you say art, usually there's scape right uh right right behind <laughs> it people uh love artscape and they want to um they want to attend artscape and before we talk about artscape uh, directly i do want to mention and say congratulations on you winning uh the three uh addy awards uh, they're yes. called can you talk about um what the addy awards are and the project that uh, garnered those three awards
1: yeah, so the Addy Awards is sort of the gold standard in advertising award-giving. Um, and so they're, the the awards are, I guess, um, presented or distributed at three levels, a local, a regional, and then a national level. Mm-hmm. So we won three Addy Awards for a short film. We're calling it a short film. It's like three, three, three minutes and 15 minutes. Um, for a short film called What is Art? It was produced to really um, as a promotional tool for Artscape.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Artscape will be back this September 2023. Um, but the, this, uh, when we launched it in October when I sort of conceptualized it back like in September because we put this together in like three weeks so it kind of blows my mind. We we won best in show. Like we were a judge's pick. uh, And then we won two gold addies. Like best internet commercial and best sound and audio visual. Mm -hmm. But I had this idea Um, I did not know how quickly I was going to be able to execute on it. I met this amazing cinematographer, and I was like, I just want to put together talent that sort of, you know, one talent runs into the next. And so he was able to sort of extract what was in my head, and sort of he wrote the script for What is Art. Mm -hmm. Um, Andre DeShields, who is a Baltimore native, who he is, you know, still loves and talks about Baltimore. He's a national treasure. I had an opportunity to meet him a couple of years ago. Uh, we gave him Key to the City when he won his first Tony at like 75 or so. Mm-hmm. Andre, don't kill me if you hear this. I'm not sure how old you are. Um, <laughs> but he certainly won his first Tony well-deserved. But he shouted out Baltimore. And I was like, hey, we've got to give him a key to the city. So we had that opportunity to meet. And we sort of kept in touch. And I got in touch with his manager. And I was like, you think he'll do this thing for me? And he was like, if we can get to New York. And we went up to New York and shot it. And it just came out beautifully. It came out It's a wonderful piece of content, so for all the listeners, if you have not seen it, you should see it. So hopefully you can um, link it to this podcast because it really is a love letter to Baltimore, and it really shows the robust amount of talent and sort of really does capture what I hope my role can deliver for the creative community as well as what people expect to see uh, this year at
0: Artscape. We're going to start wrapping up here. You already made the official announcement uh, for Artscape. That'll be back in 2023, uh, September 2023. I'm very excited. Uh, But what is coming up next for you? Are you just now focused on really settling into your role, or do you have other things coming up? What is Tanya going to be doing three months from now?
1: So we are, I'm two months into this role. So I am certainly in the, you know, it's a different, while I have a sort of a robust portfolio of things that I've done, this is also a different, a new space. And so we're building our capacity now. Uh, The mayor will make an announcement about some of the things that you can look forward to seeing from this office. Um, And so more to come on that. I don't want to, I don't want to jump the gun and certainly eclipse the mayor when he he's ready to make an announcement. Got, on
0: got to have a good rollout. <laughs> got to have yes. a good rollout.
1: <laughs> yes, the key to a good marketing plan is to pace yourself. Yes.
0: Okay, I feel like you already answered this, but I just want to ask it again because I've taken to asking people this at the end of uh, episodes. What is it that makes Baltimore such an amazing and unique city? I know you're going to say the arts, but uh, let's just talk about it again.
1: No, but you know what? It is the arts, but it's also the finesse of the city I and mean, the neighborhoods. I think what makes Baltimore really an enchanting city is that it has such these great little pockets of neighborhoods, and in those neighborhoods are these little pockets of community that are doing great work. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, there's you know art and culture in those pockets. So this you know part of that is to get things a little bit more unified so that people know what's happening in Hamden versus what's happening in Patterson Park what's happening in Northeast Baltimore what's happening in Cherry Hill um, because a lot there's a lot of localized uh, great things that are happening but mm-hmm. also bringing it up to a higher level sort of in some of the broader cultural institutions Baltimore at its core is also a very blue collar town as well and so certainly we don't want to um, take away from that we just want to you know enhance (laughs) where you can yes (laughs) exactly (laughs) perfect pr answer
0: (laughs) well uh that is it for me tanya miller hall uh once again thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk with you
1: thank you thanks for having me this was fun
0: That was Tanya Miller-Hall, Senior Advisor of Arts and Culture at the Baltimore Mayor's Office. Follow her on IG at Tanya R. Miller. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Local Color. The podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jason V. The podcast is distributed by your public studios. New episodes of Local Color will be released the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Learn more about local color at wypr.org.